Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading in the book of Deuteronomy. This time we're ready to read Deuteronomy chapter 25. You might remember chapter 24 last time had some different laws, uh, laws on divorce and some other various laws. And we're going to continue in that theme of some various different laws here in chapter 25. All right. This is Deuteronomy chapter 25. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. If there is a controversy between men and they go to court and the judges decide the issue between them and they judge in favor of the innocent and condemn the guilty, then it shall be that if the guilty man deserves to be beaten, the judge shall make him lie down and be beaten in his presence with a certain number of stripes in proportion to his offense. He may have him beaten forty times, but no more. He is not to be beaten with more stripes than these, and he is not to be degraded, that is, treated like an animal, in your sight. Now this was their law regarding a public whipping or beating. You know, they mentioned stripes, and they could have no more than forty. To be sure that they followed this law, if I remember right, their practice was to always give 39 as the max. That way, if someone lost count or messed up, they wouldn't do more than 40 stripes because they felt like that would be breaking this law, which it, it would have been. So they were trying to be, um, they decided to err on the side of doing one less rather than accidentally doing one over and breaking the law. But you'll notice it was supposed to be a range of stripes depending on the offense. So everybody shouldn't always get the maximum amount of stripes. So I'm not sure how they handled that or how they decided how many stripes, you know. It's one of those things that we don't know or I don't know. Um, I was not able to find anything that really told me uh, that they had a specific chart or something. They They may have. They may have some old thing written down that I, I did not see, but it's just something to be aware of. Verse 4, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing to prevent him from eating any of the grain. And the idea here is to be kind to your animal. You don't muzzle your animal while he's working for you just so he won't eat something. He might get hungry. He might need to eat. Just like when we're out, if we're out working the field or doing any labor, you know, we might Oh, we might, you know, suddenly be like, whoa, I need to, I need to grab something. I need to have a snack and it'll time you over for a few hours. Let me finish my work. That's the same idea here. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, the widow of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall be intimate with her after taking her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that her firstborn son will be given the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out of Israel. But if the man does not want to marry his brother's widowed wife, then she shall go up to the gate of the city where court is held, to the elders, and say, my brother-in-law refuses to continue his brother's name in Israel. 
he is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother. Then the elders of his city will summon him and speak to him. And if he stands firm and says, I do not want to marry her, then his brother's widow shall approach him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall answer and say, So it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's household. In Israel his family name shall be the house of him whose sandal was removed. Now this sounds very silly to us, and and I guess in a way it is kind of funny. But I, I don't think our laws are much better a lot of times, just to be fair. Um, but here the idea is, and their idea was that, you would take your brother's wife and try to give her a child for your brother, right? And we saw, we've seen, we've seen some times in, in the Bible where people didn't want to do that or didn't like the idea of that or, you know, they had various different reasons they didn't want to do that. But, um, you know, if he stands firm, you'll notice if he stands firm, I mean, he's going to be fussed at. I guess he's going to be humiliated in a way. But, um, He's not, it's not like he's going to lose his life or anything. He's just going to be fussed at. He's going to be spit on and he's going to have his shoe removed. <laughs> I'm not sure how extensive this punishment really is because it says his family name shall be the house of him whose sandal was removed. Uh, did, did they really, you know, change their name? I'm not aware of that really happening. So, but nonetheless the idea i'm sure was rather than go through the humiliation the public humiliation you would you would go ahead and privately take your brother's wife and perform your duty that you should do uh, plus most people i would think i would think this wouldn't happen a lot anyway most people would love and care about their brother enough to do that but you'll notice that you are to marry your brother's wife in this instance this is one of those things so if you already have a wife and stuff, maybe that could be complicated for you. I understand that. But nonetheless, you're supposed to marry her and take her as your your wife. And, and if you think about it, that keeps her supported in the family. That takes care of her. And families should try to take care of the widows in, in, in their family group, right? So... Overall, I think it's, even though it sounds a bit weird and strange to us overall, especially for back then, uh, this was probably a very good idea because, you know, it wouldn't be the woman's fault if her husband died uh, most of the time, I would assume. And we're not talking about a woman murdering her wife, but just her husband has died through no fault of her own. This has happened, so. All right, let's continue. If two men, a man and his countrymen, are fighting, and the wife of one approaches to rescue her husband from the man who is striking him, and she reaches out with her hand and grabs the aggressor's genitals, then you shall cut off her hand. You shall not show pity for her. Now, I looked at this quite a bit, and there's quite a few different things about this, but I, after, after reading some different things, I'm going to say that basically now there's there's several decent reasons why why this would be a thing. One, if the woman wanted to save her husband from being killed, in defense of her husband, she would have the full right to kill the other guy. 
So I don't think that is the situation here. Instead, I believe that in anger, she is reaching out and doing this to like degrade and humiliate the other guy who's probably winning the fight. Okay, but it doesn't mean that her husband was in danger because if her husband was in danger, she would have been within her rights again to kill the other guy. If if you're under attack, you or your spouse are under attack, you're, you're allowed to defend your spouse. That's okay. But I think this is, this is kind of looking at a different situation. Now, and there is also another problem that I think they're trying to keep from happening. Now, again, the idea is these men are fighting or struggling, as some translations say. But it doesn't imply that either of these men are really guilty of anything. They're not really innocent either, though. They are fighting with each other. So it's like they're, they've just gone beyond heated words and they're in a fight now. Um, but it also seems to imply that the idea is neither one is in danger of really being killed. And so when the woman reaches out and does that and, and gets involved in that, she's risking damaging the other guy in such a way that he would not be able to have children if certain injuries occurred, right? So, so there is, so it is a harsh penalty, but the idea is to prevent that type of thing from happening. There's also the idea that she's being somewhat immodest by doing that. Like again, if her husband was really in danger, she's welcome to kill the guy. So it, it's like it's like she's doing this um, in an immodest, angry way, and uh, and that's just not something that they would want. They don't want. Um, actually, if you think about it, we would say. That in a fair fight where nobody's life was at risk, we would say if you did something, that's like below the belt. That's dishonorable and it's not good or correct, right? We would say that's not really a fair fight. Now, you know, we're all thinking of, you know, civilized rules of fighting. But, uh, you know, uh, we also know that there's times in some fights that there are no rules, but. Again, this appears to be more of a time where it's more of a civilized fight and not like her husband is in true danger of dying or severe injury. So that's there's all kinds of ideas and theories beyond these. I'm just saying this is the way it seems to me. These these men are fighting. They're not truly innocent or guilty of anything major. And she jumps in and she really, you know, could possibly hurt this guy. And, it, and it's kind of immodest, like I said, for their rules of modesty and different things. Her grabbing the other guy like that, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be considered immodest, immodest and, and bad, right? So, and it says, and you'll notice verse 12 says, Then you shall cut off her hand. You shall not show pity for her, even though you might. You know, if her husband's being beat up and losing, you might feel pity for her, but you shall not show pity. You might feel it, though. You might be like, well, I hate to do this because she was trying to defend her husband, which you can appreciate, right? But it's the manner in which she's doing it that's wrong, too. You got to remember that that kind of that kind of defense or doing that is incorrect. Now, in a life or death situation, whatever happens, happens, and, and we don't follow that law ourselves nowadays. But 
this I don't think this was meant to be or represent a life and death situation. That's because uh, then she could have just bashed his head in with a rock or something, right? And I, I'm, I'm being gross. Sorry, sorry, but you get the idea. So, so this is a weird, a weird law, but again, I think it deals more with their immodesty uh, kind of rules, where they want the the women to be modest, and and there's other defenses you could make in a case like this. Rather than going straight for now, I know women are smaller and weaker, and so it seems like that would be okay. Uh, but there is a sense too that that there's a defense that the two men are fighting, but they're not fighting dirty. And there's a sense that her doing that is risking the one guy's ability to have children in the future. So that's not uh, that's not considered a good thing either. That's considered. Um, well, that's considered a crime in this case, right? So, let's continue. You shall not have in your bag inaccurate weights, a heavy and a light, so you can cheat others. You shall not have in your house inaccurate measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect, full and just weight, and a perfect and just measure, so that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. For every one who does such things, every one who acts unjustly, without personal integrity, is utterly repulsive to the Lord your God. I think this is very straightforward. You know, we're not to be cheating each other when we have dealings with each other in trading and in commerce. We should be just and we should have integrity and not be cheating and lying to each other in that way. So I think that's very straightforward. I think we can understand that because that's talking about how they they weighed things out and how they measured things out. And it was, you know, something you would do in trade. And maybe you do that in trade within your community or even outside your community. But you were supposed to have integrity and people should be able to trust the children of God, right? If a child of God is cheating people and swindling people, that looks really bad, and that kind of brings brings a bad uh, reputation even to God, and we don't want that. Remember what Amalek did to you along the road when you came from Egypt, how he met you along the road and attacked all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary. And he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies, in the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance to possess, you shall wipe out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. Unfortunately, we know that later when Saul is made king over Israel, Saul um, I think that's in First Samuel around chapter 15. He uh, does not follow through on this when God tells him, you are to wipe out the Am- Amalekites and kill their king and all this stuff. Um, Saul does not follow the Lord's instructions to the letter, and he gets in trouble, and basically that's the beginning of his downfall. You could say the beginning of his downfall was before then, but... But definitely then, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, and and God was like, well, I'm going to take the kingdom from you. 
So, and that's because he did not remember this. Notice it is in the law, you know. And he says, you must not forget. He says, you shall wipe out the memory of uh, Amalek from under heaven. And what happened there in uh, Samuel was that Saul was told to wipe out the Amalekites and their king. And I think all their flocks and everything. I mean, just totally wipe them out and destroy them. Because God had said, you shall wipe out the memory and you must not forget. And of course, Saul did not do that properly. And so he ended up in trouble. That is the end of Deuteronomy chapter 25. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.